And look who's got the center square. It's not Paul Lind. It's UAP Experiencer Step. <laughs> What's going down? I'm your host, DJ, on a Thursday night with the legend is in the house. But before we even get into that, first of all, uh, Money Nathan couldn't be here tonight. He had some business to take care of. But you know what? You're in the capable hands of Deb, who is smarter than I. Steph, who's smarter than I, and basically everybody else on the show that's smarter than I. So let's rock up, man. Deb, what's going on, girlfriend? Hi, everyone. It's been an exciting week. I look forward to talking to Linda about it. I can't wait, man. She's a legend. All right, so without further ado, uh, when I say that this girl is my homie, I mean, she really is. <laughs> she is from right across the river from Hendrick Hudson High School and the three towns, Montrose, Buchanan, Verplank. She's right over there in Rockland County. I believe she said she's from Nanuet. She's going to get me schooled up on that. She's on the west side of the river. I'm on the east side of the river. She has been investigating UFOs for probably somewhere around 30 years or more. Also ghosts, also murders. Uh, and also I want to talk about rock formations because when I go hiking in the Blue Mountain Reservation, I want to know what's happening with these rock formations. So we're going to ask her about some party people. Put those hands together for Linda Legend, baby. Ooh. The author, Linda Zimmerman. Woo! Can I, I get an amen? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm, uh, I feel like I should be jumping up and down and running around the office. <laughs> wow. But uh, thank you for that uh, remarkable <laughs> introduction. Linda. Uh, you're making me want to jump up and down because we have been wanting to have you on for for so long. So let me just let the cabbies, uh, my teammates here, say hello to you, and then uh, we're going to jump right into it. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the show. Very glad to see you. Thank you very much. I am very happy to be here. Welcome. And yeah, likewise, I'm looking forward to hearing about, you know, the Hudson Valley sightings, especially the triangular sightings, which is extremely fascinating for all. Um, and, you know, you I know you're an author of a couple of books whom, you know, a lot of people may or may have not checked into yet. I, I am one of them. So I'd like to hear a little bit more on, on those. And uh, also, yeah, just all of the above what's going on with congress and your thoughts on that you know having this conver this conversation now after so many years of research and you know all of your due diligence with this community so it's it's just really probably uh exciting for you oh it it definitely is and um it's i guess it's better late than never uh for congress um they could use a few experienced people on the panel however Mm -hmm. um, just briefly, when uh, they mentioned a few very famous cases and the the blank expressions on their faces, like what we we never heard of that. <laughs> so um, yeah, they might want to get some people with a clue 
but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Linda, please, we want yes. to bring you out of your shell. Don't hold oh, yes. back. And I, we're going to try to draw you out here, okay? All right. I'll, I'll try to uh, bolster up some courage to say what I really think. Um, I love this New Yorker. <laughs> we can try to get them to hire me, but... <laughs> not. Yeah. Let's just say not yet, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's great they're doing something. They're finally recognizing. And, and the main thing is stop the ridicule of people like pilots that you have mm-hmm. play, put millions of dollars into training and then you don't trust what they're telling you. Um, or you're ridiculing what, or you're threatening to ground them for reporting what they've seen. So if that changes, this is all worth it. Absolutely. Exciting. Yeah, what, I'm, what I'm going to do right now, I'm just going to post, um, I'm going to post Linda's, what Deb sent out today, which is basically Linda's Amazon uh, link in the chat. And there's about three pages worth of books there that deal with uh, UFOs, paranormal, and ghosts. But what I'd like to do is one of the, the issues is we're in a bit of a bubble in UFO Twitter, and we're not aware of certain people in the community who aren't familiar with, um, uh, with, with people like Linda because she's not on it, and she's probably meant healthier mentally because of not being on it. <laughs> but Linda, would you please, just for our audience that isn't aware of your extensive accomplishments, could you please just sort of, uh, get, get us uh, caught up on how many years you've been doing this and the different tangents, please. Oh, yeah. So um, you were you were essentially correct. I've been doing weird topics for <laughs> almost 30 years now. Um, I am just drawn to every rabbit hole I come across pretty much. And uh, I've to me, the best way to understand and tell the story of the paranormal and UFOs is to experience it. So I don't spend a lot of time on speculation like like some people. Um, I go out and try to interview people. If it's a haunted house, I go and investigate it. If it's a sighting, I go stake out the place and interview as many people as I can. Um, so I do have quite a lot of ghost books, the ghost investigator series, um, my UFO books. I, I had three of them. I was about to do a fourth on Hudson Valley. I said, this is crazy. So I combine, you know, how many, you know, you know, you're going to have, you don't want some, go buy four books. Um, so I put all three books together and then added the fourth book of material. It's called Hudson Valley UFOs, the best evidence. And um, I was just, I don't know if I can mention the, one of the other shows that uh, I did recently, rather famous from one coast to the other. Yeah, (laughs) George Knapp, coast to coast, baby. That's because the original gangsters know each other, like Linda and George. Uh, Yeah. So it was George Norrie actually who who you know he he had a copy of the book and he he liked it, but he said he said this thing is huge. He said if you dropped it from a building, it would kill somebody. So I'm like, (laughs) well, maybe I should put a disclaimer on the book. You know, danger. it's a big eight and a half by 11, almost 500 pages, but it speaks to what the Hudson Valley is all about. It's been going on for over a hundred years. It's just, and, and even this doesn't 
encompass everything. But um, so that I'm very proud of. That just came out a few months ago. And the other topic, I know we want to talk Hudson Valley, but what I think is of vital importance is animal reactions to UFOs. I have um, a much smaller and less dangerous book. <laughs> it wouldn't hurt you if it hit you in the head. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it's probably the most understudied and un misunderstood topic in ufology animal reactions they can tell us so much and maybe we can touch on that a little later so that's uh what i do um linda i would like to get into that later because of uh the bigfoot discussion or sasquatch we had with micah hanks and one of his guests that was on and I, i'm gonna want to talk to you about the reactions of those animals in the forest when these gentlemen had their sighting. Uh, but I wanted to talk, I wanted to go back to your experience, which I read in, um, I, I want to say it's called, uh, it's not called night sky. Can you help me with that? Um, your, in the night sky. Yeah. In the night sky. That was the first one. And, and that book, it details. So Linda, a devil love this one. Linda is in her bathrobe, uh, <laughs> after her boyfriend sees it. And then he turns, says, go outside, look at it. You see it. And then he shows up at the house. And instead of getting changed, you hop in the car in the winter and chase after it. And uh, <laughs> yes. right? essentially, me. yes. Um, well, I, I was with my boyfriend at the time. We were living together and somebody else had called and said, go outside and, and look at the UFOs. And so, yeah, my red furry bathrobe. Um <laughs> <laughs> went running out and you don't stop to change when you're seeing these three bizarre round yellow white lighted craft flying silently past you you jump in the car and you go after it and uh we we followed it um i was later many years later to find out i had missing time during that incident but we ultimately followed it to um we went to a state park and these craft looked like they were going to collide mm -hmm. and they did come together in this brilliant blue green flash they didn't blow up they came together and nobody in physics class ever taught me how three separate objects can become one and lowered onto the top of this mountain. And at this point, a state trooper comes by. And what's a 19-year-old girl in a red furry bathrobe doing in a state park with this guy, these guys in a car? After um, hours, I mind, mind you. Yes, yes. So um, I explain. We saw this. I said, just turn around and look. And the top of this mountain is pulsing green-blue light. He didn't want any part of that. He's like, get out of here now. And we took off and he blew by us. So he wow. didn't, yeah, he did not want to deal with that. So that well, is my red furry bathrobe. Uh, talk about legend. That is <laughs> <laughs> without a doubt. If, if not for all the other things, one thing before I pass it to Deb and, and the thing, you know, you talked about you being a research and you said, I want to know, I want to go to these places. Uh, and you, you went out there and you actually hiked up there the next day. Yes. Yeah. And there were a lot of broken and burned branches and, um, 
I, you know, I, I couldn't say that's why the branches were broken, but it certainly looked as though something had landed, something solid had landed on the top of that hill. That's, uh, man, that, that is, uh, that's a lot, a lot grander than my sighting. So let me, let me pass it over to Debs while, while I imagine, uh, the only thing you're missing is if you would have wore the bathrobe up to hike up in the forest, but anyway, <laughs> go ahead, Debs. <laughs> I guess I'm, um, curious about what got you into this, like what kind of pushed you into doing this work? Um, it sounds like obviously you've discovered there's like a lot to unpack just in the Hudson Valley alone and a whole bunch of other things you've been working on, but what kind of pushed you? Well, growing up in the Hudson Valley, I, I thought all of this was normal because it happened so often. Just about everybody knew of a haunted place and UFO sightings, I won't say were common, but they were not unusual. So I thought that's the way the world is. UFOs fly through the sky all around the world. And they do, but not with the frequency of the Hudson Valley. So the big push probably came in the 1980s um, with the Great Hudson Valley wave where from 83 to 86, there any night of the week could have 5,000 witnesses uh, seeing massive silent triangles hovering directly over them. It was just unprecedented. And I always compare it to the uh, Phoenix Lights, which was a tremendous sighting. It was one night. That was a typical <laughs> night of the week. You know, that's a Tuesday in 1985 um here it, it was just something that happened all the time um before i i'm gonna pass it over to um to steph but i, I just want to ask you did you find in in terms of frequency between and but by the way ufo thinker frank is uh he he has a podcast in the uk and if he asks you to be on Linda, I can't I can't recommend him highly enough. He's such a uh, a gentleman. He's very thoughtful, but he's really into this topic and was excited you were coming on. In terms of the V-shaped craft versus the triangular craft, the equilateral triangles, had you noticed any disparity in the numbers of those two in terms of your data? The predominant uh, craft shape, I think, during the wave of the 80s was the solid equilateral triangle, but a close second, actually two close seconds, were the V-shaped, which is something I saw in 88. Um, just massive rounded lights on this V-shaped silent craft, just gliding silently by. And then the boomerang. Um, a lot of people referred to the wave as the Westchester boomerang for Westchester County. It was a boomerang-shaped craft, brightly lit, a lot of lights. So um, I think the solid equilateral wins by a nose, but the other two, there were a lot of them as well. Uh, that, yeah, and I, I'm, I was curious about that because of... Uh you know, that people are still seeing triangles and we'll get into that, but I don't want to take any more oxygen away from my homegirl <laughs> experiencer, Steph, who don't see one, her damn self. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I also share that with you. I've witnessed a triangle craft back in 85. So it's been about over 35 years, you know, and so it's been a minute, but you know, it's just something that does stick with you for life. And, you know, it does make you question everything and uh, what our reality is and whom we're being, you know, sharing this planet with. So, you know, a lot, I, I do run UAP experiencers. So I, I do have a lot of different accounts as you have, you know, in your research. And a lot of these holographic type virtual type um, accounts are coming up. And I'm wondering what your beliefs are on that. If they're superimposing themselves, do you think that they're interdimensional and just showing up? Or do you believe that it is some sort of a physical craft that's entering through a, a portal? I mean, there could very well be some portal in, near the Hudson River or the Atlantic. And this whole, you know, triangle area that seems to be this, uh, it's almost like a, a trend that there's a triangle, triangulation uh, of these crafts that they, they like to hang out in. And on, you know, the West Coast, you're familiar with Catalina and mm -hmm. that that entire triangle there. So it, it seems that there's the same similar situation happening on the East Coast. So what what are your thoughts on their kind of like entering the atmosphere and how they they may be appearing and uh, exiting the, the universe? Yeah, they certainly do seem to have uh, preferred locations, like you said, Catalina, right. uh, Hudson and, and other spots around the world. But I think there's a couple of things going on here. Um, certainly, I have no problem with the, uh, the people hate to say that they're nuts and bolts craft. But let's face it, when a craft comes and knocks a branch off a tree, I think we can say it's probably solid and sure. leaves an imprint on the ground um, and, and people see the you know, some people said if they had a rock, they could have hit it. It was that close. Mm -hmm. So you're seeing in that much detail. Right. Um, however, there was a mind-blowing case in Cornwall, New York in the 90s. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, where where Cornwall is across mm -hmm. the river, mm -hmm. uh, the Hudson there. And it was a summer evening and kids come running in. There's a UFO over the house and the parents are like, yeah, sure there is. Well, they come out and they see this uh, massive disc, brightly, colorfully lit. It's so close to the top of the house. The woman told me, she goes, I thought it was going to crush our house. Wow. So they're seeing a brightly lit disc. Uh, dozens, if not hundreds of people came out to see this. 90% of the people saw a circular craft with multicolored lights. 10% of the people, and I've spoken to a couple of them, said, what are you talking about? It's a black triangle with a single white light in each corner. Mm -hmm. And that's what they saw. It's And to this day, they are still arguing over it. I don't know why you think it was a disc. Well, why do you think it was a try? So you have two people standing shoulder to shoulder or hundreds of people standing shoulder to shoulder. Some see it as a disc, some as a triangle. So what is going on? Are they implanting this image? Is it a holographic image like you mentioned? Is it something completely different? Uh, maybe nothing's there and they're, they've, planted this 
screen image in your mind or, or mm-hmm. something. So mm-hmm. that to me is the definitive case that we cannot stick a pin in our opinion of what's going on here because too much is going on. Sure. Ab- absolutely. It's, it's such an abstract topic that we're, you know, we all share this agreed liking of, and, you know, you, you have to be open, you have to speculate, you have to question things. I mean, constantly, I'm sure that that's, it, it gets frustrating for you where you're going, look, I don't want, you know, false information shared with me. I'm sure it's happened plenty through the years. So you get to a point where you're, you're thinking, look, if you're not bringing me something factual, if you're not bringing me something that's pixelated, then then don't bring it to me at all because we're trying to take this to the next level. So I appreciate all that you do. And I do, I do believe that the uh, UAP as they appear, um, you know, we are perceiving it as they want us to. And there's also this whole idea of, well, it, it, do they want us to create this reality of how, I want to see it because in my personal account, there were four of us and three of us saw it as one shape and one of us saw it as another. So it's that hmm. exactly what you said. I mean, that's ex- exactly what you said. And you cannot discount what that person saw because this is what they're they're explaining to you. This is what I saw. This is what I witnessed. So maybe that's maybe they're showing up how they want us to see them. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, let's and, talk. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Linda. You go first. I was man. just briefly going to say, uh, and it's the same with abductions. Oh, um, sure. You know, uh, seeing owls or other birds or something complete, you know, completely ridiculous, but yeah. that's what they're putting in your mind. Right. Yeah. Every, everybody, everybody on here knows that I had an abduction experience. I offered DNA and biological material to the phenomenon. They basically said no and then dropped me off. So, you know, I'm still, you know, Deb's been working with me. I'm still trying to get therapy for that. So just, you know, give me some space. Anyway, got you, DJ. <laughs> thank you, babe. All right. That, I'm just kidding. That's my joke. Everybody knows that I'm not an experiencer, but I did hear one today. I want to just quickly shout out Nick Hunter and uh, he's from uh, UFO Chronicles podcast. And he had a gentleman on today whose name was uh, Philip, um, um, I can't, uh, Kinsella. I was thinking of that character from uh, from uh, that that show. Uh, but anyway, Phil Philip Kinsella was on with uh, uh, Nick Hunter Day, and that experience was really not only was his experience incredible, but also his opinions on the phenomenon are extremely re- well rounded. And I was very moved uh, by how thoughtful that person was as a researcher and someone who had been abducted. But uh, what I want to do now, uh, Linda, we're going to go into this sort of roundtable um, phase here, and I want to talk about shapes. So I'm going to ask you first, and then we'll go to Deb, and then we'll go to Steph, and then we'll we'll move on. Uh, but what, I, what I'd like... Yeah, <laughs> somebody just said, DJ knows the sunshine. Hey, look, if you look like me, Jedi, <laughs> you'd be wearing sunglasses too. All right, this is all I can do to maintain. Um, but anyway, um, so... So what I would like to ask is about shape. Uh, And this is something that Frank uh, was asking. And obviously in our history, going back to the Valley of the Kings, you know, a three-dimensional representation of a triangle is, you know, like that pyramidal shape. Uh, And the phenomenon, by the way, there are some photos, um, some official photos of the phenomenon that do show what 
what what it actually looked like that matches what in what a person saw and that's why i think it's important to say it could be all things can be true yes they may implant in your mind what it looks like dr gary nolan spoke about that family from france where they were in the car they had a glass roof car they looked up they saw a certain shape and when the photo came out it wasn't that shape it was a star shape so the point is is yes i i agree totally agree with you linda and then there are also cases where I've seen some images that have been taken of the phenomenon that are what the eyewitnesses, exactly what they described. So um, all things can be true. But so I'd like you to consider, if you would, Linda, that triangle shape. And is it significant um, to you the way that um, do you think the phenomenon that that is a significant shape for a reason? Well, I think it must be because there have been so many sightings of that particular shape around the world for really generations, um, mostly post, uh, I'd say post 60s, the predominant ones. Um, but certainly there has to be something about that configuration which is suited to their purpose. Now that, of course, leaves open a, a ocean of speculation. <laughs> but mm -hmm. um, clearly, between the disc and the triangle, those are, I think, the predominant shapes throughout history. And, uh, you know, form follows function. So once we figure out what that function is, um, yeah, and some of the tri when it comes to massive craft, the, the triangles again are just stunning. How some of them, I, I've had several people say, you know, a lot of people said it was the size of a football field, mm -hmm. and I've had several people who said, oh no, no, it was the size of a football stadium. Mm -hmm. So there is something about the triangle that le lends itself also to being enormous. Before I pass this question to Deb, I just want to let Julie know your question is written down and Leon D'Antonio, your question is also written down. So we're going to get to those questions and we'll take them around the table, but we just had a few, a few starters here. So, so Deb, um, if you could take off where, uh, where Linda left off, does that shape, do you think that uh, history uh, shows that it, it's significant? Is it, is it, is it significant in human history because of interaction with the phenomenon? Are they separate or what do you make of that, Debs? Okay, so I did, of course, go through all the FOIAs and in the beginning I was trying what? to do... What? You did? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to actually study the shapes and there were triangles way in the beginning in the government documents, but not that many. Um, so <clears throat> I think it's actually something that came out a little bit later more often. Um, I, and things that make me really wonder about the triangle include the fact that most of our fastest um, jets and whatever are triangles. Um, they're Delta, you know, and it makes me wonder if some of these are ours. Um, and then I always have to wonder, well, which came first? Is it the horse or the cart? You know, which thing was it? Was it we copied something we found or, you know, or they just 
happen to have one too you know I, I have i have a lot of thoughts about that i don't really know um how many of them are ours but clearly some of them are not because you know some of them are so huge there's no way that we have the physics knowledge to accomplish that um but as far as like a symbolic thing with the triangle i i don't think so i think it's the same reasons we're using triangles I'll say that uh, from uh, one of the interesting things is actually uh, jets like if uh, certain of the swept wing jets like the B-1 bomber, they actually will ex uh, will sweep their wings back when they want to go faster. So a delta wing doesn't necessarily go. You would want to be swept back further because the more the more aerodynamics come into play is is uh, when you would want wings swept further and further and further back away from sort of a delta uh but if you're coming into land some of those aircraft will extend their wings to create more lift so aerodynamically speaking it really doesn't help you uh that that b2 shape or that uh f117 shape and those are subsonic craft uh compared to like an f22 which is a supersonic or a b1 bomber which is a supersonic but also uh can sweep the wings uh steph that shape, uh, does that shape resonate uh, with you? Do you find that there's a, uh, uh imitation here? Or what's your thoughts on that shape? A, a couple of things have crossed my mind. And I am a realist. I try to make sense of things. Like, well, sure, why was the bottom of this triangle shaped like a boat, right? Boats float, they go through the water. Is it something that would be a hybrid to enter and exit the air to the water. I mean, that the aerodynamics of that, sh that, that shape would easily splash into water. Is that a possibility? I don't know. You know, that, that has crossed my mind. One of the very interesting things about this that you may not be aware of, uh, but some of the audience probably is, is they enter the water without a splash. So one of the interesting things about some of these uh, craft that they're seeing is not only aero, do aerodynamics not have an effect on them uh, where they don't need control surfaces to steer, et cetera, et cetera, but hydrodynamics sure. that they can pass through the water at speeds right. that we, we could never, uh, the hydrodynamic drag is so extreme <laughs> that if you're doing like 30 knots underwater, you're going really fast, but sure. you know, something that's moving like the speed of sound underwater would be like mind blowing to, uh, to us. But Anyway, uh, we got to go on to the next topic. So um, if, if Linda has a topic, we'll, we'll hit that one. Or if Deb has a topic or I have two listener questions. Do you have anything that you'd like us to consider for the fireside chat, Linda? Uh, well, uh, you know, I am partial to the, to the animal reactions. And I, I just want to say on that, um, pay attention to your pet's the barnyard animals, the, the animals in the woods, because they have superior six sen uh, five senses to us for the most part. And I would not discount they have superior sixth senses and their electromagnetic field sensitivity uh, known as magnetoreception is so remarkable that I think that's where a lot of these abilities with animals lie um, because they just are so attuned to the earth's natural fields. 
And if a craft, which we know has electromagnetic fields, you know, static on the car radio, stalling cars, blackouts, if they are coming in with these wild electromagnetic fields, are these animals reacting with fear and, and want to run away because their whole world is suddenly spinning and turning around? Um, you know, is it like us on a, on a roller coaster that uh, they don't want any part of these craft? Um, so just pay attention, go back through, all, I've gone back through old cases and it's remarkable the information you can gather uh, from animal reactions. So if you're an investigator, pay attention. Pay attention, Debs. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Though I have I have a topic right now uh, that 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 uh, just I'm gonna tangent right off of what Linda said. I'm gonna bring it to Deb to Steph, and then it's gonna come back home to Linda. So Deb, um, you know when we had Micah on and he talked about the the gentleman that was on his show and. Forgive me, I'm not going to remember the names as we speak, but he's also an investigator of UFOs and of Sasquatch. Uh, but they were going to do something more akin to what Linda was doing. They were going to see a shack in the woods that was owned by a witch, and they wanted to see if it was really there because it was lore. Uh, and they had gotten some good vectors from somebody old that had a lot of familiarity. And after a couple of hours, they found uh, the, the witch's house slash shack. Um, and when they, they stayed a little while there and when they left, it was coming into nightfall and, uh, what happened Debs, if you recall, and I'm, and I'm saying this, I know, you know, the story, but I'm kind of saying it for the audience and for Linda, um, is that, uh, uh, they, they did make eye contact with what they believed was a Sasquatch and all of the wildlife in the woods, it became totally silent. Now, I understand when there's a predatory creature around that there are certain animals that will be quiet, but not like crickets and things like that. So um, what's your take on that, on that reaction, Debs? Do you do you think that that is be does that speak to something about Sasquatch as a terrestrial creature or does that speak to Sasquatch's? perhaps a, 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 a creature that's interdimensional. What's your thoughts on that whole phenomenon? Well, I think we're, we tend to look at Sasquatch and think it's just one thing. And I, and I, I keep falling into it's maybe more than one. Right. And, and because I do think there might be some hominids that we miss somehow on the planet. I think that's a possibility, especially because a lot of what people are seeing looks like a hominid. But when animals respond that way to that disturbance, um, when they're like just basically freezing, it's like a panic mode. And I actually had like an, a dinner conversation with my brother-in-law about this. And he mentioned that animals may actually be hearing something that we mm -hmm. can't hear, that it might be um, in the infrasound range, sort of like an earthquake. So if Sasquatch is interdimensional and has used a portal, that might be what they heard. Because if he was just an animal standing mm -hmm. there, I don't think it would have been the same. Not for the crickets and all that, because they're not, I don't think they see a lot of the insect life sees a Sasquatch or something as a predator. But the way, if they react that way to a UAP uh, coming close and they react that way to Sasquatch, then my brain starts going, wait a minute, there's a connect. There's a there there, right, Steph? 
Oh, you're still muted, Steph. <laughs> I have to unmute myself. Yes, there's a there. There's a there. We all we all have our ideas of what the Sasquatch is, and I know your obsession with it. And I want to believe. I want to believe. <laughs> it's not that. It's that Linda. It said I'm lonely in the forest, and I want to see a creature. When I go to Blue Mountain Reservation, when I go home, I'm gonna be looking for Sasquatch. But anyway, uh, yeah. I certainly make it out to be more. Go ahead, Steph. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, well, okay. I'm going with, I believe that it's some sort of a phantom. So there's, it's not apparently, there's no substantial like existence of it, but there's, there's something that that's appearing there. So I think, you know, could it be crypto, crypto terrestrial? I mean, phantom is something that kind of st sticks with me because it's, it's something that you think you see, but it's not really there. Ooh, so what if it's like the ghost of our Neanderthal hominid ancestors? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> phantom, is this Quasimodo? I mean, no, Linda, <laughs> it's your turn. Um, so when, when, when there's a reaction in the forest to uh, these gentlemen making eye contact with the Sasquatch, probably soiling themselves uh, and all, and the forest goes quiet like uh, what we've heard happens with the UAP. What do you make of that personally? Yeah, it's not just a unknown hominid, I think, at that point. There was a great case in 1959 in the Brazilian jungle. Uh, three businessmen were out crocodile hunting, and you know the sound in a, in a jungle. It's just a, uh, I will use the word, a cacophony of sound. Um, and a Cacaf large, I don't think that's in anyone here's vocabulary except Linda. Oh. Can, can, can I say that comfortably? It's a new one. It's a new one. Oh, oh is it? it? Oh, okay. <laughs> it was loud. Okay. It was very loud. And a uh, brightly lit saucer comes over and the entire silent. jungle went silent. Every cricket. I don't even know what I don't want to know what kind of species of insects and everything birds uh, I don't know if there are monkeys everything went absolutely silent and uh, so clearly there is some sort of field being generated that affects all life forms and makes them fall silent probably because they feel threatened but I do have, um, if I can go a little further into Please. the Sasquatch, um, I am not a Sasquatch researcher, but when you're in this field, people tell you stories. And someone told me a story um, about, uh, oh, 25 years ago that took place out near Western Pennsylvania. And I won't, I won't get to that one yet. Um, but then... Just several years ago, someone told me a story, um, probably took place about 20 minutes from here. There's a, a very bizarre road through a state park area called Long Meadow near the town of Tuxedo. You name it, it happens there. And the story was he's just driving home from work and he sees something on the side of a road and he looks over and it's a seven eight foot tall hairy bipedal it's sasquatch only he doesn't see the whole thing he said it was like looking at a sasquatch through a partially opened door like a slit and wow. this slit moves across the road 
and he's watching through the slit this creature and it just continues across the road and disappears into the woods and had i not known better i would say he was giving me the word for word story of that man 25 years ago out in western pennsylvania the same exact thing and the same words like looking through a partially opened doorway moving across the road so there is whether you want to call it interdimensional a portal um something we don't even understand yet but clearly bigfoot sasquatch is not something mundane and purely physical and that's my take I, on it first of all um i really want to thank you for that take because when you talk to people who are deep into this and we just spoke with one someone i know you know micah hanks we were honored to speak with him but i think a lot of the people and there's not even a but there there are a lot of people that he speaks with that are very rooted in that this is just a living mammal that's hiding and i told him the story of the navajo ranger jonathan dover who said uh, you know, and you know, Navajo Ranger, you're talking about a federally trained law enforcement officer at this point. And he said, I have tracked several of them into the middle of an open field and the tracks just disappear. I'm looking at tracks, I'm tracking it and they're just gone as if something came and lifted it up. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and that didn't resonate with Micah. And I think it's because of like what you said, we have to be open to these possibilities that, yes, maybe it walks around as a mammal. And yes, maybe it's walking through a portal as slit, if you will. So I imagine the credibility of that individual went up significantly when you were able to match that story up with the previous story from from 1950. So um, it's yeah, it's uh, it's a physical animal, but how it gets here and how it leaves is the the million dollar question i'm with you i'm with you i want to put up julie's question now and then we're going to get to the other person and then deb and steph if you guys have recorded i only have two questions written down right here's here's uh, my friend julie farrell from alabama who i got to meet at a ufo meetup uh and she says uh have the witnesses that you linda have spoke with has anybody had health issues that they would assign uh, as as responsible for their interaction with the phenomenon Absolutely. And it's um, on both ends of the spectrum from people who believe uh, adamantly that their interactions have cured them of certain incurable diseases or made their general health better to people who believe they have developed cancers as a result or um, have just struggled with with physical ailments as a result, mostly with, you know, intense, prolonged interactions. But, um, ab yeah, no question, these are, these are physically altering encounters, or can be, not always. Um, and even to the point of their mental and emotional health, some people are scarred for life from these encounters. Uh, yeah. I know one woman I interviewed had a, was back in 83. She still will not go outside in the dark by herself. Um, that's, you know, that's a terrible fear to carry your entire adult life. 
So yeah, certainly health issues, um, as I said, on both ends of the spectrum. I also, before I pass this to Deb, because we're going to take this question as a round table also, uh, you interviewed my high school classmate, uh, Audrey Herrer, uh, whose name is now Audrey Statesgull, lives in Connecticut, and she is uh, one of the brightest lights in my entire class, the Hinhut class of 85, and you interviewed her and her family, and uh, you left a, a very positive impression on her and her family from Montrose, Linda. I just wanted you to know that. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes, I remember. I remember the name and the, the family was kind enough to uh, share their great case with me. Yeah, her father was a police detective uh, down in down county somewhere. I can't remember. New Rochelle, I believe. And uh, and yeah, they had a big black triangle fly right over Montrose, right over Hen Hunt High School. So uh, but more importantly, I want to get something that we were just talking about in terms of health issues. And Deb has just started a group uh, of uh, uh, mental health professionals that they're aimed at helping experiencers and, and people that have been traumatized by the phenomenon. So Deb, uh, what's your thought about Ju Julie's question there and, and at writ large? Well, I was happy to see that question because obviously it's one of the things foremost on my mind right now. Um, and everyone will get a formal announcement about the UAP Medical Coalition in the future. There are some serious people behind that. Um, but it is, it's not just, you know, the healing and the cancer, but, you know, Gary um, just spoke about this in his interview with Tucker Carlson. I'm glad I get to mention that. Um, he just said it's a lot of these your irritation like like radioactive responses um so there's a lot of burns and if it's not treated it can scar um there's eye irritation nausea um so there's a lot of different degrees it doesn't always go fully to cancer so and he made the point that i really thought was interesting that of course depending on where brain damage may occur because of the encounter there might be different cognitive results so, you know, it really that connects in more ways than people realize. But I really just want to make another point about this really quick. Not only do people have the initial trauma, but when their families don't accept that something happened to them and that they go to these people trying to get help, they're traumatized again because families are laughing at them. They're, they don't understand why they're scared. They're not helping protect them because they think it's ridiculous so it's like it's dual trauma. So that's one of the reasons it's really important for mental health professionals to understand what's going on and come forward. Thank you, Deb. It's just more of the amazing work that you've done for our community, along with the obviously Steph is there as a resource. She's not a mental health professional, but she's still there to, to, to hear you and, and let you talk about your topic. For me personally, I mean, you guys have been talking about me uh, looking for Bigfoot. You've noticed, you know, maybe prodigious hair loss, uh, Bigfoot having a dearth of hair. And if we were to get together, you know, maybe something happened. Maybe my hair would grow back. I could come back to New York, Linda, looking like I'm a guitarist from Boston. I mean, you know, that this is be careful what you look, what you ask for. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'd like to be able to part my hair in the middle, and, you know, and look like a real 70s, you know, Henry Hudson student. But anyway, yeah. uh, Deb, <laughs> excuse me, Steph. Uh, mental health issues uh, or, or health issues writ large. We have just bear in mind, everybody, we have about 
uh, 13 minutes left with Linda. So we'll probably do quick fire on the next couple of questions we've got. Sure. Well, the majority of experiencers that come forth to share, you know, it is important for their mental health just to sh simply share, as you both had said. And we do need to squash the stigma of this whole you know, phenomenon, multi-dimensional, all, all of the phenomena that you have, you have witnessed. So I just want to say that that is part of getting through this and healing your anxiety or just whatever, whatever, if you want to share anonymously, then that is part of your healing. So it's very important. You don't have to be on camera. You know, it, it, we believe you and that's what, that's the platform that we provide here for you. Um, so I just wanted to say that, but as far as any, um, say mental health concerns, I do understand that, you know, that is surrounding this as well. I do have licensed professionals that I would then, you know, gear that person towards and pivot them that way. So it, it is very important to me. Um, you know, I did have family in my people who suffered from mental, sorry, I'm stumbling on my words right okay, now. Love. It's okay. Love. Okay. Love. I have anxiety right now. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. But no, but um, you know, it, it it's it's very near and dear to my heart, and I do uh, want people to be able to speak on it. Should they be having something, you know, that that is bothering them, that they they maybe haven't mentioned to anyone. So you know, these platforms we provide that could lead them to that next, you know, place that could potentially help them further. So, you know, we do, we do serve as that as well. As far as them sharing any physical, I have seen um, almost, it looks like somewhat of a burn mark. Um, I don't want to be an alarmist in this community by any means. So uh, it's primarily people sharing their testimonials. As far as any of the physical, I would direct them, you know, to share that with a, a professional source. So so yeah. you have somebody for hair loss that I could. <laughs> uh, you know, there are things that you can do with that with electro, actually electro. It's like this. It looks like a rake and it's electricity and it stimulates hair growth. I'm going to tell you, I'm a, I, this is going to get to more trauma, Linda. I know you and Deb don't want to hear this, but what? I did. I was driving. I had one of those on my head. The phenomenon flew over. It shorted it out. And OK, this is what happened. So. I, I, I've had to deal with a lot of trauma because of the phenomenon, even yeah. trying to grow my hair back and then have an EMI. And then next thing, thing goes haywire and it's not working. Yeah. Um, we wanted, yeah. wanted Sorry, to point yeah. out that Julie has offered to macrame some dreads for you. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. I love you, baby. Thank you. Uh, we have Amazing. another question. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. Yeah. We're your friends. We serve as your friends here. I appreciate it, man. It's a lot of trauma I'm dealing with here. Linda, a uh, question for you. Do you know anyone who has remote viewed these UAP occupants or the inside structure of these crafts? This is from Leone or Leon D'Antonio. Um, yes, uh, but I have to qualify that um, people who believe they have, and, and of course, they certainly could have. It's very, you know, how do you confirm that? However, right. Um, some people Color wallpaper. I mean, there's, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Yeah. It's, um, but mostly people, um, who've had these encounters or through dreams or through, 
uh, some sort of meditative state, whether these are then recollections of an encounter or they are actually seeing into the craft. But certainly, I will say many people feel they have some sort of psychic connection with these craft and these beings after having, you know, particularly close encounters. And whether they are intentionally remote viewing or it's just that connection, which is showing them things that they couldn't otherwise know, you know, that, again, that is that is hard to say. So I kind of went a little around about that. But, you know, if you're not sure uh, how how do you confirm remote viewing uh, occupants of a UFO? Yeah, and we, we could get into this whole topic about how. When, when you and I were growing up, Linda, everybody had wallpaper and all the reports of the inside of the craft, nobody has it. So maybe wallpaper is something that we've just evolved beyond that. I don't know. And, and thank heaven for that. <laughs> <laughs> it was so uncool that it's actually making a comeback. But uh, all right, we don't we don't have a lot of time. Uh, we have, So I want to have a little bit of a quick fire round from everybody. We have about eight, seven minutes left with Linda. Uh, I have one I want to get to that's going to get to the, it's it's going to be a little bit of a Debbie Downer, no pun intended, Deb, about, about Jim Semivan's comments. But Deb, please give us uh, what you have or if there's something else from the chat that you wanted to put up there. Well, I just wanted to know if you what you were the most excited about with everything coming out the way it is, um, all of the people coming out in interviews and so on and so forth. Um, what I'm, mo I, I'm, I am not at all excited about the committees. What I am excited about is the pilots and their video and their, you know, their testimony, mm -hmm. because, um, these people are absolutely remarkable. They are trained to observe. They understand the characteristics of flight. And I find it mesmerizing to hear their accounts of the objects they're seeing. Uh, uh, there's no question. They're extremely credible. There's sensor data that backs them up. There's radar data mm -hmm. in cases that back them up. Uh, there may even be, you know, um, uh, geospatial data from, from satellites that, that are classified that backs up a lot of this. Uh, if, if, what we hear is true in terms of people like uh, John Ramirez talking about how powerful and how capable the, the uh, sensor systems are on these satellites. Uh, it, it could be that, that a lot of this is captured. So it's going to be very compelling. Uh, but I have one last question, but I got to go to uh, Steph first and then, and then we're going to get into, we got to get into Linda's show because she has a Hudson Valley radio show every week, but uh, please Steph, go ahead, man. Very cool. I'm so, I am sorry. I thought that we were asking Linda a question. Now I'm where, sure. where are we at? I apologize. No, yeah, no. What we're doing now. I mean, you can uh, ask her. We're kind what of I would quick, like quick fire. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Now I, now I understand. Yes, um, well, Linda, I know that you've spoken with so many experiencers throughout your career and I want to know your beliefs on regression and if you believe that that is a healthy choice and you know, have you, have you had that performed yourself? Uh, yes, I have had it performed myself. I think with a competent uh, therapist who is trained, yes. I think it can be a valuable tool. Um, it's 
entirely up to the individual because there may be a reason this trauma has been suppressed. So before you ask the questions and do the regression, make sure you want to have the answers. Wonderful, wonderful explanation. Thank you. Uh, and we'll 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 send you a tip for that in the mail. That great answer, Linda. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, and I'll, actually, I'm going to bring you uh, when I come to New York. If I'm able to see, I'll bring you some DJ's bespoke skincare. That. That's Nathan's face on there. It's all organic, uh, and I put it on every night, which is why I never mind. Anyway, we don't Sorry. Run, usually. <laughs> <laughs> Feel okay. so left out from that. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you. If you want DJ skincare, I'm literally. I'm. I'm yes. gonna try to like elbow Katiani out of the kitchen from making empanadas so that I can make my <laughs> damn skincare. Can a guy yes. just make his skincare? Kati, Kati, <laughs> get out the way. So maybe, maybe tomorrow night I'm doing. I'm starting another podcast about motorcycle racing. Linda tomorrow is going to debut with the uh, motorcycle racer Kayla Yakov. Yes. She's only. 15 years young wow. and she's amazing uh, professional road racer. But anyway, um, <laughs> I want to ask you uh, about Jim Semivan's comments. Um, he did a, um, he did an interview with somebody across the river from you, a fellow Paisan, James Eindoli, uh from Verplank point. Um, and the interview was, was uh, no pun intended. It was phenomenal. Um, there was just a lot of very serious discussion and some penetrating topics. Uh, he was able to penetrate some areas that I think some of us hadn't heard Jim go before. Maybe that's just me. Um, but I'd like to ask you, he's an experiencer. Um, Steph and, and Deb may be more aware of his experiences, but it was he and his wife that had some experiences in their home. And I believe several experiences. And he alluded to lying, deception, uh, not necessarily trusting the phenomenon in, in, in a sense of things that were uh, communicated to him by whatever means that they used. And he made me feel a sense of danger uh, about the phenomenon. And, and I'd like to get your take on that. And let's again, we'll make it kind of quick fire because we don't want to keep you over. We only have two minutes left, but, and Deb has something is uh, additional, but what's your take on that, Linda, as far as the danger? I do believe there is a danger. Um, a lot of people think, oh, it's all, you know, sunshine and unicorns and, and benevolence, but clearly people have been harmed and traumatized. And I don't always see this as it being in our best interest to be plucked out of your room or your car um, and be subjected to these things. Um, it, it, and it, it also depends on your perspective where some people, oh, take me again. And others, uh, there was one man who said, I would kill them all if I could. He was so traumatized by his experiences. So again, it's personal, but if you feel threatened, you feel a sense of danger, that is real for you. And whether that is their intention, that is the result. So um, that is harm in itself. So 
I, I do think there is a sense of danger for some of the people. Absolutely. And do you, and quick, quick follow-up, Linda, do you also sense from a Chris Bledsoe type of a, an individual that there's also a benevolence being that he was healed and apparently bequeathed the, the power to heal himself? Yes, as I said, some people have had remarkable healings. Many people have had enhanced sixth sense. Um, they develop you know, precognition, psychic abilities. They grow. They grow spiritually. They grow mentally. Um, look at the Allagash case where they suddenly became artists and, and, you know, people take on these newfound abilities. So... We, again, we can't pigeonhole the whole phenomena into good or bad. It's all things. I, I agree. I, I feel like I have the enlarged caudate patamen. I feel like I can visualize when Deb is ha making hamburger helper over at her place. <laughs> Very um, rarely. Very. So, <laughs> I, it's, you know, have you made it this year? Yes. Okay, Twice. there you go. All right. So, <laughs> A little plug. <laughs> All right, Debs, can you Okay, go so here? last night when I was watching Gary's interview, he talked a little bit about the gray entity being uh, an avatar. And in my research, I've heard before that their DNA might be human DNA, which has resulted in a lot of these hybrid conversations. What if, like we've talked a little bit about this as a manipulation, what if they are creating the avatar with our DNA in order to engage with us. Just a thought. And, Is that uh, a question for me? Yeah, you know what? We'll take it to both you and Steph. Yeah, let's, let's, let's go to Steph on that. <laughs> go, go, Steph. Oh, I definitely think that there's some intent of hybridization. I definitely think that they are here to take something from us, potentially create some sort of a hybrid. I mean, why, why else are they showing up? I, they're, they're, tr they're harvesting something. I do, I do believe that it sounds totally out there, but I mean, why else would they be, you know, coming here and messing with our military equipment? As David Fravor said, jamming is an act of war. So if they're going to be doing that to our military equipment, then why would they not do something to humans? They, they, why, why not? So yeah, absolutely. There, there is, uh, there, there's proof of adverse reactions and adverse effects. Alex Dietrich, the pilot, I mean, she recently was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, you know, thank you for your service, Alex, if you're listening to this, but yeah, there's been proven facts that there are possible connections to UAP viewing UAP. So it's pretty, it's as much as I don't want to be an alarmist, I do believe that there, there is something occurring. Yes. And Deb, can you pose your question again for me? Because I was typing in the chat. Right. So I guess what's really got me last night was thinking we're getting we're getting this idea that we're hybrids because people have claimed that the bodies have human DNA. But what if they have human DNA because these beings created the greys out of us instead of we're created out of them? Yes. And uh, so, first of all, I, I want to speak to that, but shout out to Scott Gearin, my USAF brother, the pararescue legend is in the uh, is in the chat there. H Hello, Scott. 
Uh, and what I would say is I want to direct everybody again to that interview with that gentleman, Philip um, Kinsella, that was on with with um, Nick Hunter today on uh, UFO Chronicles. This is my highest recommendation if you want to hear a full-bodied perspective on the phenomenon, not only as an experiencer, as a researcher, as an analyst, and he spoke to that. He spoke about eloquently that there is something that we have because they don't mate. There's something we have that they wanted to recreate, to procreate um, our, our, our feeling, music, love, you know, all these things that, that we have as humans that they probably cannot synthetically create that they want. So um, you're, you're, you'll hear him speak about this far more eloquently than I but that the, clearly there's something in our biology that they may have used, that they may have mimicked. I think what Deb was has alluding to or created to look like us, to interact with us as somebody like uh, I heard somebody the other day talking about, yeah, wouldn't you just create a being that looked like the people that you're trying to interact? Sure. Of course you would. Nordic, long hair, all this. Well, let's get back to my hair again. But anyway, so, so yes, I, I agree. I, th I think there is, uh, I don't know what it is, that we have that they desire, but the points that he laid out in that interview uh, after he spoke about his experience and went into analyst mode was brilliant on many different levels. And I recommend everybody check that out. I don't care. I'm not competing with anybody's podcast. So I don't care. Uh, Linda, your thoughts on why the phenomenon might, might've harvest uh, biology. Are they, uh, 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 using us to create something that looks like us? Well, I have a slightly different answer. And I'm, I go back to my teens when I was at a meditation retreat with a lot of wonderful spiritual people. And the subject of UFOs and aliens came up. And one older gentleman had a what I considered a brilliant comment that stuck with me. He said, they do not have nervous systems that support higher forms of consciousness like humans, and that's what they're trying to attain. It's not so much our physical bodies. They want the ability to transcend like we do, and I'm going to stick with that. I'm so glad you said that because Mr. Kinsella also mentioned that, that the... Um... And again, he uh, he was such a brilliant speaker about this, but he put it in such a way that this is just this this vessel, if you will, uh, but that it, it the consciousness and the way that he put it again was brilliant. So hopefully uh, people will check that out. Um, Linda, before we say goodbye, uh, because you've been very gracious with your time, we've gone six minutes over. Could you tell everybody about your radio show in the Hudson Valley, et cetera? Please. Yes, it's called UFO Headquarters, and we're on Hudson River Radio and, you know, every podcast platform known in the universe. Um, but we like to concentrate on, again, um, UFO witnesses, interviewing them and talk about different, you know, in-depth topics each each episode. So, uh, yeah, hopefully people can tune in, and um, if you haven't uh, had your fill of me in this show you can see me in my own show uh no i don't think it is 
I, I want to do this so people could see the fire in the background, but they can't see it. Anyway, uh, um, no, nobody's had their fill of you. Um, actually, you can see the fire right through there that Nathan created that. Uh, I'm sorry, Kev, that we didn't get you in here uh, this time. Um, he's probably still coming home from work. Nathan is on the road. Um, and, you know, Linda, I will have uh, everything uh, in the show notes, your, your uh, link from Amazon with all your books, which is like, I think three or four pages. Oh, you know what? Real quickly, before we let you go, Linda, because otherwise I'm going to have to call and bug you on your phone with this question. <laughs> and I know you don't want that. The rock formations um, that I see in the forest. What is that all about, man? I think uh, predominantly they are ancient Native American structures, which have astronomical alignments. They were calendar sites, spiritual sites, ceremonial sites, um, maybe something as simple as uh, landmark uh, locations. But um, they need to be studied and preserved because they are still being destroyed without being understood and appreciated. And I think they are some of our greatest ancient treasures in this country. And um, they just have not gotten the respect in the Northeast that they deserve. And in the rest of the country, for that matter. I'm fascinated with them when I go, when I, whenever I come home, I go to Blue Mountain Reservation. Bucket list item might be to hike in Blue Mountain Reservation with Linda on one of these trips home. That would be really cool because uh, there's so much rock up there. I just love it, man. Uh, if You know where the reservation is, right, Linda? In Peekskill? Uh, uh, I'm not, I don't know the exact location, no. Okay, I'll send it to you on Google Maps. Okay, but... yeah. And and bring, bring a, an EMF meter or a compass with you because a lot of these sites were chosen because they have unusual electromagnetic fields or something going on at those sites. They didn't just say, here's a nice place, let's move 10 tons of rock here. They were chosen for specific reasons. Now I know cabbies know what to get me for Christmas. Those try field meters. Uh, all right, everybody. I want to give uh, Steph a chance to say goodbye to Linda. Yeah, Linda, you're an inspiration. And continue oh. to do what you're doing. We're all following you, and you know I, I'm fairly new to this. It's just something that came about as you decided to do it one day. Here we are. So I, I just appreciate your due diligence and how long you've been doing this for. It's just, it's super cool. So it's been really cool chatting with you. And I Thank you. I really appreciate. And obviously you are on the right path doing this work. So um, people need someone to speak to. So thank you for what you do. Cool. Thank you. Yep. My homegirl, Deb. Mm -hmm. Thank you very, very much for coming and sharing your information and um, all the data you've collected, um, your insight with the world, not just with us, but your work is obviously sharing it with the world. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Appreciate that. Thank you. Linda, there's a lot of people that um, would like to be called themselves a published author, and they will go and drink a lot of wine and champagne <laughs> and or beer at a local tavern uh, when they get their first book published. And you've had that happen probably better than 10 times. How many books do you have total? Uh, over 30. Over <laughs> so when Linda calls up, they're just like, all right, Linda, whatever you got, just send us the <laughs> manuscript and we'll, we'll give you a date to publish. <laughs> I love it. That is so awesome. Uh, it's an honor. You were 
you, I don't know if you were our first interview as cab, but I think you were probably our first week or two uh, when, when Nathan and I got together and decided that we were going to do this. And that was uh, incredibly kind of you to give two people and just for you guys out there in, in podcast land, two guys who were not known in the community at all. And I called and I begged and Linda <laughs> and Linda called me on the phone and I'll never forget being at work. And normally like I'm, I'm very nervous about answering the, the phone with air force and I, it was Linda and I answered the phone and I made her laugh and she agreed to come on. And I thank you for that, Linda, really. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I'm, I'm always happy to help and hopefully uh, you know, your 10th anniversary, your 20th anniversary, keep me in mind. <laughs> yes. We will. We'll, you couldn't come to the holiday party last year, but we will invite you again this year. It'll be somewhere around Christmas, New Year's. We'll have the cab holiday party. Everybody's going to come in for like a five minute, two, three minute spot or whatever. So uh, obviously uh, that could any one of those spots for the two hours would is yours, whichever one you want. So. <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, thank you very much. So for uh, for obviously for Linda, for uh, Steph, for Debs, this is DJ. Give us a like, give us a, a subscribe. But most importantly, peace, one love. We'll see you down the road. We're always wondering what's up around the bend. That's what's up.